Have you ever stopped to think that virtually everything we use in our daily lives is based on technology? Even further, do you understand the software behind this technology? Welcome to The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. In today's program, you'll hear how software is created and implemented, why it's written the way it is, and learn from its success stories, proven best practices, and significant failures. Now, here is your host, Martin Lacey. Good morning and welcome to The Art of Software. In today's show, we'll look at security from a software application perspective. What are the choices available and best practices for crafting business applications that include protecting protection of your business data and processes? From website hacks and scripted attacks to application database and file content misappropriated access, protecting customer personal information and your business data is critical. Exposed and on the internet, behind a firewall, or in the cloud, regardless of the threat from external sources, do your business applications also need to track changes to your business information from the inside? Identify who made what changes and when. To help us answer and explore these topics, we have our special guest today, Jack Che. Jack Cha, sorry. He's a principal application security lead in the API Gateway at CA Technologies. He's a passionate application security engineer with eight years of enterprise software development experience. His per, he's pursuing his passion by helping engineering teams develop and validate security software or validate secure software. As a full SDL spectrum uh, uh, application developer uh, and uh, provider of the Bug Hanty program, he's been involved in threat modeling, in-house training, static and dynamic code inspection, security enhanced product development and research. Welcome to the show, Jack. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, can you tell us just briefly about uh, your history or give us a, kind of a taste of what you're currently involved in without getting into uh, proprietary details? Yeah, sure. I, I started as a, a software developer and my interest in security grew over the years and, and I was fortunate enough to switch into a full-time application security engineer role. Um, and that role uh, involves with, the, uh, with all the stakeholders in a, in a typical software company right from um, starting from your uh, product management to development developers and its management uh, sales support team um, um, and everyone involved in, in producing a software and selling the software um, so there's a lot of stakeholders and and if you want me to summarize the, the essence of my job is to to really um, to speak true to the priorities and also to the um, the assessment of uh, uh, of a security priorities for the company for the software development's lifecycle. Right. Um, so um, if you are if you have a lot of uh, customers inquiring about your software, how secure that is, and if they are if there's uh, security researchers calling out some of the defects, then then my job would be to to give accurate assessment to the development team so they can prioritize properly and figure out what you know how to how to deal with the attacks. That's right. Not, yeah, and, and, and in the long term to produce that um, secure software um, systematically in the long term. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's, it's all part of the job. <laughs> yeah, awesome. That, that sounds really exciting. And, you know, it's a, it's a key aspect of software today is being aware, cognizant of uh, the potential threats um, 
that your your software can expose at at various levels. And that's what I want to talk about today, at least in this first segment, is um, application security by design, um, building in security uh, right from the very ground level of of a business application. Um, so, in terms of database security. Uh, do you do much in the way of content access? At what point do you actually start building up uh, and talking about security with the developers? Um, if you look at the typical um, security development lifecycle, you start from day zero. Just like any software bug, it's, it's uh, uh, less costly to fix from day zero rather than all your software being fully developed and it and, and it's the customer using it, and it's the customer field that's finding all the issues, and, and by the time, the cost to fix that bug is it's very expensive. And right. For security bugs, um, if you start from day zero, um, then it's much, much um, uh, less stressful and less costly to fix it rather than um, being let, very late in the life cycle. So typical development life cycle um, for security um, start with training, um, so your, all your developers are um, um, somewhat trained in, in producing that secure code, um, know what to watch out for during code reviews, um, and also uh, certainly when you're, if you have a chance to design your architect, software architect from day zero, it's much easier to look at it and then design properly. Um, and, um, typical stage two is building requirements, so you would involve product management and getting them very security savvy also to define that security requirement, not just the functional requirements, but also your security requirements, the building that security controls around your features. Um, um, third stage would be um, design, so you do, uh, you sit down with your typical uh, software architects and also do um, threat modeling. Um, so um, essentially in a simple term, you're drawing out all the components and looking at uh, which uh, what your attack surfaces are and how you can um, either simplify or have a layer defense to um, to defend that um, goodie in your system, which typically for a lot of software is a database that that holds the customer information that um, data that's the um, out of uh, malicious actors are looking after looking for so. Yeah, I was wondering about that specifically at a data access layer. It, it, uh, let me sort of back up for our listeners. Uh, software is typically layered. Um, we have the user interface layer, uh, a business functional layer, um, and there's a back-end database layer. That, that's a really simple uh, abstraction of it, but typically there's three layers. And in the back-end, which is the database layer, um, now that, that holds all, of course, the business data and customer information, things that are necessary to run the application. When you're looking at uh, designing an application, Jack, uh, do you look at putting security in and dealing with the, the, the database first? Or is that part of building the application, looking at it from the business logic and, and the processes that the application must perform? Um, short answer is yes. Longer, longer answer is it's, um, for starting to uh, why we care about this so much nowadays. It's because your software layer is approaching closer and closer to the edge of the network. So if you look at you know, 10, 15 years ago, your, your typical software wouldn't be exposed to the network and, 
and and whatnot. But nowadays, there are a lot of software that's being offered uh, as a uh, the SaaS applications. Um, right, and SaaS has for our listeners is software as a service. Yeah, sorry about that. No, no, no worries. <laughs> so you you typically um, now if you're offering that as a software as a service, now um, um, access to the database backend is now all of a sudden um, um, connected to the internet, connected to the network. Um, so um, so. Um, Going back to the threat modeling, you're looking at um, you're looking at the um, how 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 different actors can get your database, which includes your um, as a web application, or it could be another component that is connected to your inner components that is connected to the database that has that access. Right. So, um, I typically look for a component where how which components have access to the database and how that access is being controlled and, and monitored. Oh, okay. So, so that that's obviously now a, a growing concern. Um, going, being able to get directly at the database if it's exposed on the internet, and of course, if your application has uh, got some attack vectors, you can penetrate and get through into the database. So, what I hear you're saying is, it's now becoming common practice to look at at the database layer uh, as a, a functional piece of of the security pie. Oh, definitely. There's, um, you know, a very traditional, you know, web application attack vectors like SQL injection um, um, that can, you know, pillage and and extract all your data in your database. Single yes. uh, SQL injection vulnerability can do that for you. Um, so, um, so you have to be very careful. Um, when I look at the database, uh, typical recommendation I, I give out is if you can separate some data layers out of, instead of having a, a single database that contains all the sensitive information, maybe you can split that out into a database that can that doesn't have any sensitive information uh, versus one that has more uh, sensitive information that requires more access control, more uh, authorization and authentication mechanism to protect it. Then, uh, then you're you're less uh, exposing it less. Right. So you partition your data uh, and your database content uh, so that you could perhaps even encrypt the entire database or look at encryption at a at a at, at various levels of the content um, that's assessed as being more sensitive. Yeah, that's right. From if if you're looking at attackers, you know, getting into your network, getting into your um, company network and, and having a access to the database file itself, yes, definitely you will have to encrypt at rest. But a lot of application layers, they are, even though it's encrypted at rest, when when legitimate users need to access it, it's 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 coming out in a um, a, a plain text format, not encrypted, right? Right. So, so, um, that access control bit is very important, and a lot of um, you know going segueing to um, uh, the cloud services and whatnot. Those have, they provide very savvy access control mechanisms they can leverage. Okay. Well, this is all very, very interesting. I love hearing more about what's going on at the database layer, and you know, certainly making sure that uh, uh, businesses are are now you know taking that whole attack vector seriously uh, we'll be right back after this commercial break with uh, our uh, special guest Jack Che Jack Cha sorry and um, 
we'll continue on with security by design and getting into how we test security and making sure that our implementation of security is uh, effective. So thank you very much. You're listening to Martin Lacey and the Art of Software with Jack Cha. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Private equity firms have over $1 trillion to invest. They are the biggest funding source for growing companies. Why do they reject 98% of deals? How do you get the right deal for your company? Join Kevin Fechtmeyer and his partners on the Deal Team 6 to uncover the next winning deal and avoid the financial landmines. Deal Junkie, Cracking the Private Equity Code, is broadcast live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Sergio Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Good morning and welcome back to The Art of Software. We're speaking with Jack Cha, Principal Application uh, Security Lead at CA Technologies. Uh, we're going to jump right back to what we were discussing before the break. And uh, that's the security layer. We were talking about the database layer. And I want to build us, go, move further now into the business object layer, the middle tier. Um, what do you see happening in the middle tier in terms of application security? Uh, what goes on in, in that tier? What kind of training do you need to provide to your developers now? And insights do you, do you instill in them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of enterprise companies, uh, when they're building enterprise um, software, they're now using very savvy tools for uh, doing your uh, static analysis, um, not just for your code analysis, but they're using that for especially to security. Um, so there's a lot of products out there uh, that does look at your source code and look at some of the, um, um, the code lines that are either identified as potential vulnerability or as a 
um, um, having that potential um, error. Um, but a lot of these tools wouldn't pick up the, the logic errors, a lot of business layer um, errors that's, um, um, that wouldn't be picked up because there are, there, the tools are not going to be able to recognize that logic error. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I came into one just the other day in some code, and it was just happenstance, uh, one of the outlier conditions. You know, you're you're testing if something's below, you know, less than zero, greater than zero, and, and uh, you know, the condition was zero. And if it, that, that one condition, it you know, fell through the cracks. And of course, you're, you know, it'd be difficult, if not impossible, to build an, uh, a tool that would detect flaws in your logic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why it's it's so important to train your developers. Um, not just specifically, there's no magic bullet training for building secure software. Um, tip um, the very, I, I start with the foundational um, training that involves with knowing all the security terms, security uh, concepts, and also um, secure design principles. Um, once you have enlightened your, your developers, now they, they go into this hyper mode of um, having their eyes open to, to know what to watch out for. And right. definitely the logic errors and, and whatnot to um, whatnot. So typical software company would have a good code review practices and, 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 and one of them hopefully will, will pick out these, these logic errors. Right. So, so that's actually a really important uh, thing to come back to is the code review process. It's, it's necessary on, for many reasons and certainly for the uh, application of security and understanding of, of how penetratable your software is and the flaws within it because that's ultimately what um, attack vectors go after is the flaws within your code, the things that happen that you didn't plan on happening. That's right. Um, yeah, and, and, and even though it's not for security, you need code review practices to, to lessen your, your bugs and lessen your, your cost of, of producing that bug. But um, you also need to train your developers to, to know what to watch out for, specifically for security during the code reviews. Um, uh, and then um, you, you'll have less likely, you'll less likely have the security defect in your, in your software. Right. So, you know, being proactive and, and having the uh, proper, not only tools, but training at, at the very beginning uh, saves you a lot in terms of, you know, well, cost, of course, and of, uh, reputation and uh, how, how much your software gets used if you're in a, you know, software producing um, company. Yeah, that's right. And, and typically when we do code reviews, we look at um, um, does it have functional capability of what it wants to do, but you also need to engage your developers to think maliciously um, so that, you know, cliche of, you know, thinking like a hacker. You know, yeah. <laughs> how can I abuse this? How can I bypass this control that, that we are building? Uh, what are the other corner cases that, that, that will render this logic um, the business logic that you're building, that kind of angle that you need, you need your developers to think about. Yeah, a bit of a bulletproof coding, um, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I like peer reviews myself because it, you get a kind of a camaraderie looking at each other's code and getting the feel of, you know, building everybody up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then typically if, if, um, for myself, if there's a very high risk 
um, feature or code code change that's going in, I jump into the code review and I try to look, analyze the code to look at you know how I can how can I abuse this, how can I bypass this, and I specifically look at that angle. Right, which is uh, which is really uh, uh, a, a much different angle than from the developer's perspective, who's trying to achieve the objective of the software, which is you know do a particular process, achieve a function. And you know, coming at it from uh, an attacker's perspective, from where you are, uh, it sounds really quite an interesting way to look at the code. You're looking for ways to crawl in there and and make it break, essentially. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, these are like a typical like. If I can give an example, um, there was a piece of code where you're you're pulling data out of your company, um, like a AWS S3 bucket. It, it costs you know a, a cent or something like that very low cost to do to that operation on your AWS instance um, but let's say if that bucket was open to the world um, as a malicious actor if I wanted to burn down that company I could potentially keep pulling the data out of the bucket and keep on costing the company and right under their nose and it could accumulate to you know um, a few thousand to maybe a million dollar that could potentially do very very much harm to your company, right? So right. Doing that kind of you know malicious thinking um, um, is as a, and once your developers have seen a couple of examples, they realize, oh, okay, that's how you look at it, and they can do that themselves. Right. So you so you get fairly good uh, adoption or uh, uh, de- developer comprehension of of the dangers of uh, particular coding practices. Um. Y- y- yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once so, once people understand the the foundational concepts, um, and you know what are the typical attack factors, what are the classification of an attack um, or or a threat, uh, once you have that foundational understanding, people developers really grow into having that sadness. Yes. But everybody grows at, I mean, they're humans, so they all grow at different levels. So you still need to uh, have a, another layer to test and verify your software, regardless of the training and appreciation for the skills of the teams that you have. You do need to have that adversarial team in there to do penetration testing. So what kind of tools do you do you use to um, try and uh, test the validity of of this of the logic if you, if you can and uh, look for ways to break that logic? Yeah, it's, it's specific to um, inspecting the business logic. Um, you need a you know white box testing. Um, as an insider security engineer, you have access to source code. You have access to a lot of you know um, spec, a um, lot of um, uh, functional specs um, that you can read uh, and examine the source code. Uh, so probably I don't use um, tools to do that. I typically uh, inspect the code. I talk to a lot of people. I look at a lot of uh, functional specs to see if I can if there's a like a loophole that I can abuse or or use. And I and I ask a lot of questions to the developers who have rich uh, comprehension of the software of, that they built because they have the, the the deepest knowledge of the the history and how they implemented it. And once you've probed a lot of 
couple of questions you can see uh, uh, fish areas that you can explore more. Okay, I see. So th that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, and, of course, being able to have access to the source code and, and, and uh, insights from the development team and the architects gives you a, an opportunity to dig into the code that uh, others that, of course, are trying to do it for malicious or personal gain uh, don't have access to. So it gives you a, quite a leg up. Yeah, I, I treat it as a detective work. So if you have, let's say, if I'm interviewing you for a software that you built, I would ask questions like, oh, have you thought about this area? Or have you, how do I bypass this? How do I, uh, you know, instead of using this component to connect to this database, for example, how, is there any other access route that I can use that you only you know? Then you probably right. have these answers. I just have to dig the information out of you and, and try to build a attack factor that is that is actual threat, not just uh, not just internally you know, dreamt up threat. Um, then at that point, then maybe I can have a you know proof of concept code that I can that can exploit that weakness, and I can demonstrate to the team and and the management team so they can have the proper sense of how dire that you know finding is. Right. Very interesting. Uh, have you found many of these? Uh, like, what what's your hit? hit ratio like are you are you very successful in in this approach <laughs> uh, yeah definitely that's that 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 you're typically looking at a company um, it's very it's it's not cheap to have a security engineer and dedicated you know um, team to do this so I'm always looking at a way uh, to scale out the effort where you can um, you don't need hundred engineers you can have core team and they can scale that with efforts. Right. It's one of the tricks that I use to scale that. So, so you, do you think about building your own automation tools then and um, yeah, a lot of lot of, you know, um, you know, um, you know, continuous development, continuous uh, integration tools that you can build as a gate to make secure software systematically, but these tools wouldn't find these um, logic errors or business no. or or architectural um, flaws, so a lot of that you have to do digging and information gathering and and whatnot. And and yeah, that's where like true value would come up. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, there's there's you just can't replace a, another group of people uh, you know, with with a machine. You you just need those uh, those technical skills to really be able to pour over the logic with a different mindset when not achieving the the purpose of the application, but finding weaknesses in it. This is really interesting conversation we're having, uh, Jack. Uh, we're going to have a quick break here, and we'll be back and talk more about securing the infrastructure. With Jack Cha, you're listening to The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. 
Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Welcome back. We're talking with Jack Cha about securing applications and what it takes to make a secured application. Right now, we've just been talking about the business application layer and testing it. What I'd like to do now is move ourselves up to the next layer, and that's the user interface layer. There's a lot of other things and attack vectors that come on in this layer. So, Jack, can you tell us a little bit about this, this the social layer? Yeah, and and in in universal to anything security is securing your users, securing humans. Um, that's one thing that you know no software, no the machines can do for you in your organization. And building that secure software means you know um, having your users using it correctly, um, and having a, a user interface that is acceptable to them um, for usability. Uh, and 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 the big concept that I, I try to you know proliferate is the psychological acceptability of your security controls. Um, so if your security control is so strict and so stringent, nobody's going to use it. They're going to find a way to bypass it. Uh, typical example that I give is, you know, uh, in a U.S. Army base somewhere, let's say, for example, they installed a, um, you know, eye scanner for going to this, you know, server room. And uh, if your IT professional needs to go into that room 30 times a day, they're not going to scan their eye. 30 times a day to get in and out. Um, they, end, <laughs> they end up using a, you know, um, something to wedge the door and keep it open, right? Um, right, right. Yeah. Your secure controls. So acceptability, psychological acceptability is a huge thing. Um, so when you're building that security um, control feature for your software, you want to be cognizant of, um, of that acceptability. Uh, so always the 
Uh, and depending on your user base, they some some people want really strict controls, some people want lax controls. So the trick that typical trick they can use is is providing a knob to turning on and off. So if you're let's say so selling your software to federal space that requires strict security controls, they can turn it on. And if they're selling to you know a company that doesn't really have the requirement, they can turn it off. Um, okay. So yeah, providing an option is very important. So you make you make make uh, various aspects of the security uh, configurable, basically. That's right. Yeah, providing a knob is very important because different users will have different requirements, and um, you you can't satisfy them all. So, um, and you want to have a secure um, default deployment, like a secure um, default security, on as a default. But people should be able to turn it off if they want to. Right, and you know, in order to have that security in there by default, you have to have the foresight to build it in there, and that's you know the the crux of of the issue is security by design. You mm -hmm. need to have, even though the requirements might not state it forthright, you do need to have that um, insight as a software developer, as an, a software architect, that the security that you need to provide might not be understood or are well articulated. So you do have to, even at the lowest level, go at it with a very secure mindset so that even if at the end of the day when the application is, is done and built, uh, you have that capability in there, but you have to, as, as Jack points out, uh, enable it for configurability so that you can turn it on and turn it off or control it. Is that, is that something that you, you see as a, as a base pattern now, or is that something still having to be um, more or less taught? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely that helps to mitigate some of the security concerns that the typical customer would have. So if you had an option of turning it in and off, it makes it much easier. And also, that's why it's valuable to have your product management to have a good security background and right. what that value is. Um, so it doesn't, you know, um, it doesn't end up being, you're, you develop your software and it's out in the field and all of a sudden your customer wanting that feature or saying that they don't want to have it. Um, but if that option, you can just simply tell this is how you turn it on and off depending on your requirements. So, so it comes down to the team, really. Then, so it's not not so much as the developer themselves, but making sure that the team that they're that they're becoming a member of uh, has that that security mindset, and that of course the the architects of the application have that insight whether or not the the customer or the end product is demanding that. That's right. Yeah, your your product management uh, management needs to to know that as well. So uh, when you're looking at these um, attack vectors from the the social aspect, how do you how do, how do you look at that from a software perspective? You know, you've got the capability of uh, someone coming into your system and subverting, uh, uh, getting access to say passwords or or what have you. Is there anything that you do within the software to try and uh, have a little bit of intelligence as to behavior, perhaps. Yeah, the low-hanging fruit is the audibility. Um, so if you don't have a good logging system, 
and uh, having a good um, uh, good access control logs. So when your one user X is logging in and, and, and doing operation X, Y, and Z, uh, you want to have a good auditability uh, logging system that 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 you can dig and know that you know somebody did that. So um, like a very you know common area is using a shared accounts. If you're issuing, uh, if your software allows shared accounts, doesn't have a concept of separating that access control access list. Um, um, then people are going to get into trouble. Right. Yeah, I've seen that uh, a lot in uh, older business applications and even, you know, ones nowadays that we're building. The the need to identify who's doing what isn't uh, as as relevant or as, as important from the business perspective as to uh, as, as much as securing it based on role. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit tricky because the, the businesses think about roles. If you're in this role, you can do this. But at the application layer, you want to know, well, that's very well and good, uh, but it's about identity. It's not just the role. It's who specifically uh, is doing this operation. And, you know, do you, do you find that, that – need to have user identity tracked uh, and being built into the business applications is that becoming more more prevalent oh, or is that still kind of you have to pull it out and say well really we kind of do this yeah the non repudiation piece is very important because um, if the users know that they are being logged and they the they can be tracked down then it acts as a deterrent to to um, provide that um, correct behavior, um, but if there's a deniability, um, uh, if there's a shared accounts that that if somebody asks you, hey, you did this, and I I can say, hey, this is a shared account, it's not me, I don't know who, um, right? Then they'll be abusing that software, right? Um, so <laughs> that 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 having the mechanism where you can do proper forensics, proper um, 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 auditing is very important. Yeah, you got to make sure you don't enable that deniability. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very low hanging fruit as well. So if you just have that, you know, having that long line of logging inter interlogs um, may not seem much, but uh, um, let's say if your system or your software is being compromised, you need to do crack forensics on it. Uh, it's gonna it's it's gonna act as a big deterrent. Yes, uh, what I've found as well is not only for um, looking at uh, mistakes and perhaps tracking down uh, things that users have done. Uh, the logs are so important for understanding the behavior of your software as it relates to user interaction. You find things that uh, you didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And your customers typically now pull their logs into, you know, um, a log aggregation system like, you know, Splunk and, Splunk and um, other Lot of um, lot of um, services that does it for you and visualize whatnot. So um, the logging is becoming a very important piece of your software. Uh, whereas in, it's not just doing functional things that it's supposed to do. It has to also provide that monitoring capability. So if you are really savvy, um, you would provide. Um, you can generate a um, separate log that only has security centric items in it. And it helps your customers to pull that information specifically for your security ops room to monitor that only. 
Right. Yeah. And that's actually a really important aspect to this as well. Uh, for a lot of the software I've been involved in, and, and we gather a lot of statistical information based on user behavior and usage of the system. And of course, that data becomes uh, voluminous, to say the least, uh, especially if you're tracking uh, key clicks and things like that. So to have proper tools to analyze and look at the this information uh, to identify trends. Um, that, that's really a, an important aspect of it. And it's, not, it's kind of an unseen aspect of, of managing a business application. Definitely, yeah. And and the big big quote, I don't remember where I got it from, in security is that if you watch everything, you're watching nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of like you know, yeah, the, the Matrix movie. Right, where you're seeing a whole bunch of ones and zeros rolling down the screen. You can't really make heads or tails of it, but you know there's stuff there. Mm -hmm. So if you can like direct your customer to look at the right things, and in terms of security, if you're making a separate security entries or make it really obvious uh, for them to pick that on, it, it, it goes a long way. Excellent. Okay, I think we're going to have our last break. We'll be right back with Jack Cha and talking more about security in the cloud as applications and businesses move that direction. So thanks very much, Jack. We'll be right back with The Art of Software and Jack Chow. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In this fast-paced, technologically-driven world of business, the stress can be crushing. It's exhausting business leaders and burning out good employees. It is not enough to work from the top down. We must now learn to work from the inside out. Listen to Innovative Mindful Solutions with Terry Geller. We will discuss ways to transform roadblocking emotions using mindful-based tools you can incorporate into your business and your life right now. Don't stress. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America business channel moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes there is always something going on many times nobody else knows exactly what you're going through if you are experiencing pain or loss even something unexplained that is missing in your life you'll want to tune into go for it with host joe hausman joe and her guests will show you laughter and love sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week Make that spot Thursday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Welcome back. We're talking with Jack Cha today. He's the Principal Application Security Lead at CA Technologies. We're going to talk about in this segment of our show, security and in the cloud. So there's many different architectures available now if you're thinking about adopting applications in the cloud for your business. Uh, there's different levels of adoption. Uh, there's, well, uh, ultimately there's three. There's software as a service, as Jack uh, mentioned in the onset of this show. There's platform as a, as a service, so that's APIs for building and running applications. And then there's infrastructure as a service, IAAS, which is virtualized computing resources over the internet. So you can adopt at various levels. Most companies at the various least have a business application, um, so they've got a web presence. It's not so much as adopting software as making your business known, but it's still an attack vector. Uh, and of course, you can start from there and then provide access, um, functional access to applications. So you're providing software as a service. Um, if that's only to your own business users, that's one thing. But also need to look at if you're exposing that functionality to customers and perhaps your um, your other businesses that you deal with. So in, in that in that uh, regard and uh, security on the cloud, Jack, what what area do you see as um, needing the most um, most oversight right now? Yeah, a lot of people, we, we had a misconception of, you know, if you're you know, running stuff in the cloud, it's less secure than, you know, running on-prem. Um, um, uh, that was a misconception. A lot of cloud vendors, a lot of, um, they provide a rich set of security controls that you can apply. Uh, we just don't know how to. <laughs> right. So, so the very basic, you know, the low-hanging fruit uh, recommendation that I always give out is, you know, you know, look up the security best practices to how to do it in the cloud. Um, um, they provide, you know, which set of uh, security best practices they can use to make your uh, deployment, make your, you know, cloud infrastructure much more secure. There are, there are very, very rich set of security controls there. And one anecdote that I always give is that, you know, that security control is going to be always better than uh, much, much better than what you would typically be able to afford in-house. You just know how to use it properly. Right. And, and that's kind of, you know, the, the, the real jump is getting people out of the locked-in concept that they have, you know, their, their domain controller or whatever uh, identity management infrastructure that they have and that's behind their firewall managing their domain. Uh, that's been there for 20 years, and you know they've been moving it along, and, and putting applications on the cloud is like adopting a, an, another domain architecture and having to manage that. And, of course, there's technologies coming in, in and around that identity management. Um, what do you see as the driving force for 
the identity management. Is there going to be, are companies adopting this duality of domain control of all their identities with in-house and another management infrastructure for the cloud? Or are they adopting this new concept of uh, directory as a service where that active directory is now cloud-based? Um, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, a lot of companies need hybrid model of um, having something on-prem and also moving other services into the cloud um, that, um, that uh, uh, lessens their risk to, uh, to one set of failure. Uh, so a lot of lot of companies are moving to the cloud for for you know uh, business advantage. A lot of people are moving to the cloud because they don't want they they don't want to manage their own set of uh, recovery uh, um, um, disaster recovery plans. Um, and, and a lot of a lot of people move to the cloud because it's much cheaper to have the the global presence, the global um, um, service um, uh, requirement that they they require for their business. Um, so, so a lot of it is uh, a lot of people are having a hybrid model right now, um, and and um, and and moving to the cloud has actually a lot of advantages, right? Uh, you know, for your business to survive. So, yeah, it, it seems to be a well, not only a, a cost um, motivator, but a uh, a visibility motivator as well. So getting access or visibility to your company to to the rest of the world uh so it becomes more of a necessity to to be part of that scene but of course in doing so you're putting your information at risk and a lot of software now is being sold as um, software as a service um, um you know that that monthly subscription revenue is very important to software companies now yes absolutely uh, do that uh, at scale uh yeah a lot of companies need to be Using the public cloud to have that scale, um, scalability for your software, um, uh, and and doing so, um, you are now opening up your attack surface much wider. Um, but there are security controls you can use, leverage um, uh, that are either provided by the cloud vendor or some other um, uh, solutions that you can definitely leverage and, and achieve that. So when it, when it comes to pushing things out to the cloud. Um, we've got Microsoft now offering their their version as Azure Active Directory. And of course, there's um, a company called Jump Cloud who are trying to promote this directory as a service uh, concept. But ultimately, it seems an awful lot like uh, we're jumping back to the 50s and 60s where we're time-sharing hardware resources and uh, leaving the management of that, that infrastructure to somebody else. Yeah, and then if you go into the, um, a little bit deeper into the application layer, a lot of enterprise softwares um, that, are, that were used to be just running on-prem, on therefore exclusive to that specific organization. Now if you're providing a service in the cloud, now you've got to think about how, how are we going to segregate each tenant. That's right. challenge. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. It becomes a multi-tenant uh, issue. And has the application been designed with that multi-tenant capability or as an afterthought? And, uh, of course, uh, how do you segregate the customer's data? Um, we talked about separating sensitive data from non-sensitive data at the, at the database layer. 
Um, do you see much of this happening at the customer layer as well so that um, if you have a software as a service, you could dedicate a particular database or construct one on the fly for a particular customer? Yeah, when I typically look at, look at the security flaws, um, um, then I try to look at it. Can I jump from this account to another account? Can right. I boundary? Um, that's very important. Yeah, that, that, that's, that to me would be a critical aspect of trying to test um, uh, your test vendors that are providing software as a service or, or even creating it yourself. You need to look at cross attacks, looking at getting at information that you shouldn't have at access to but somehow or other you manage to get get to it yeah and then the security concept of um, uh, um, checking your authorization at every layer is very important now because you know in a typical software you once you authenticate now you have um, um, authorization you have access to all the functionalities now you have to check um, your credential at every point right and that, I think, is a, a really good point to leave on here, is the identification management. That, that's a crucial piece. And uh, that just isn't going to, going to go away. It's moved to the cloud. It needs to be centrally managed but distributed uh, so that you have better and faster access. So the whole principle or concept of Active Directory, directory service, it's your, it's your name, name base of all your user accounts. So with that in mind, I think we're going to end today's show. I want to thank you very much for coming out and having a really interesting talk with us, Jack. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Uh, please uh, come and uh, join us again next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the software stack, uh, how to best, uh, what, what the software stack choices are, how to go about employing them and uh, making use of it in this brand new world of uh, Docker, componentized ob objects, cloud and the internet of things so please join us next week on the art of software as we explore this vector i'm your host martin lacy from lacy software technology thank you for listening to the art of software be sure to join your host, Martin Lacey, again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.